Each house in the four streets was identical to the next. Two up, two down, with an outhouse toilet in the small square backyard. Upstairs, at the top of the landing, a new enamel bath, courtesy of the Liverpool Corporation, stood exposed under the eaves. The water to the bath was supplied via rudimentary plumbing in the form of two pipes that passed through the landing roof into the loft and attached straight to the water tanks. Although some homes had discarded kitchen ranges for electric cookers and back boilers for the new immersion heaters, those on the four streets enjoyed no such newfangled innovations. The open range remained, doubling as a back boiler and a cooker. Running past the back gate to each house was a cobbled alleyway known as the entry, which was odd as it was in fact the exit. People only very occasionally entered by the front door, and they always left by the back, although nobody remembered how the habit had begun. No one ever locked their doors. They didn't need to. The entry was a playground to the street children, as well as the large brown river rats that grew fat on the spewing contents of the metal bins overturned by hungry dogs and cats. At the top of the four streets lay a grassed-over square of common land known as the Green, which in school holidays hosted the longest-ever football matches, sometimes lasting for days on end. Rival teams were formed from each of the four streets and were in perpetual competition. Matches would begin with a nominated goal-counter, who at the end of each day would collapse in his bed, exhausted and mucky, with the score scrawled on a precious scrap of paper tucked under his pillow, ready to resume playing the following day. St Mary's Church, which stood at the end of Nelson Street, was visited at least once a day by every woman on the four streets. No one missed Mass. The priests were hugely influential amongst the community and combined the role of law-keepers, teachers and saviours of souls. No two front doors in close proximity were painted the same colour. Black followed blue, followed brown, followed green. On almost every window in every house hung a set of net curtains, each with a lace pattern different from any other window in the street. Even in homes that could boast nothing in terms of material wealth, individuality fought to be expressed and admired. Aside from the practical function of the nets, their existence played a significant role within the community. The degree of their whiteness and cleanliness invited verbal judgment to be passed upon the woman responsible. They had to. Women needed a yardstick by which to measure one another's competence as wives and mothers. Men didn't wash nets. That was women's work. Men were judged only on the number of sons they spawned. For women, it was the nets, a barometer and a source of gossip which was essential. Gossip was the light relief between household chores, Football for men, gossip for women, religion for all. Maura and Tommy Doherty lived in Nelson Street. Although they had a brood of children, they continued to breed and were passionate, loving and caring neighbours to everyone in the streets. Tommy was short and muscular. If he hadn't been a docker putting in ten hours a day of hard manual labour, he would have been short and fat. He was bald on top and sported a friar-tuck band of hair around the back and over his ears. As a result, he was very attached to his cap, which he wore indoors and out, rain or shine. Not one of his children had ever seen him without it, except when he slept. If Mora hadn't insisted he remove his cap before he got into bed, often flicking it off herself, he would have worn it there too. Tommy had vivid, twinkling blue eyes, the kind that can only come from Irish roots.
and his eyes reflected his personality, mischievous and kind. He was a proud and devoted husband and father, and was possibly one of the few dars on the street never to lay a finger on any of his children, a fact that bore testament to his temperament. All he desired in life was peace and quiet. Tommy had grown up in Cork and had travelled to England to work on the roads. On his first night in Liverpool, he was waylaid by a prostitute at the pier head. On his second, he met Mora. Penniless by the third, he got taken on at the docks and, to his great sadness, had never been home since. Mora was thin, taller than Tommy by a good two inches, and, as Tommy often joked, her almost black hair and eyes were proof that her granny had lain with a tinker, a joke that often resulted in Tommy being chased around the kitchen with a wet dishcloth. Mora liked to travel, sometimes managing the whole mile and a half in